0: Hello, this is episode 368. My name is Liam Vogel. I'm a functional blood chemistry specialist, holistic nutritionist, and clearly the host of the Keto Diet podcast, derp. <laughs> I'm so glad to see you here today. This is going to be a good one. Um, We've been chatting a little bit about DNA and our genes and what this means. We did an episode with Angela Foster that was episode 246 on your health and DNA. We also did episode 319 where I gave you really an introduction to epigenetics and our DNA. And then episode 337, we had Dr. Lois Naherney on to review my DNA results, which was pretty fun. And so after that review, there were a couple of things that we covered in that episode specifically, episode 337. The reason I bring up episode numbers, guys, is so you can like go back, listen to those episodes if you want to learn more on the specific topic, because it can sometimes be like really hard to find things on long podcasts. So in that episode, episode three. 337, we reviewed my uh, DNA and using functional blood chemistry. This is the art of looking for imbalances on a cellular level through basic blood work. I've been talking more and more about this because over the last year, I've really incorporated this into my practice and I've seen like incredible results with my clients. And so I know my blood chemistry pretty darn well because we are, if you're a practitioner, you know that you're your best guinea pig and you just like try out things and see what works. And so... While I was talking with Dr. Naherney about some of the things my DNA said that I needed, I was like, nope, I know that I don't need that. And so there was this disconnect between what my DNA report was saying and what I know, knew to be true based on my functional blood chemistry. And I started researching just how just because your DNA says something doesn't necessarily mean that you need that something and so it's really a balance between what the blood chemistry is saying to then what your DNA says and that's when I got into nutritional epigenetics which is kind of the flip of this okay so I wanted to have Dr. Aronica on who's a lecturer at the Stanford Prevention and Research Center and R&D lead genomics at Metagenics Inc her research and teaching focus on how lifestyle can change gene expression through a process called epigenetics and how we can use this information to design personalized lifestyle interventions for optimal health and longevity. Some topics of her courses include nutrigenomics and nutrigenetics, intermittent fasting and ketogenic diets, the role of these interventions in personalized lifestyle medicine and longevity medicine. Lucia has 15 plus years of research experience from the University of Oxford, the University of Vienna, the University of Federico II of Naples, the University of Southern California, Stanford University. She has published research papers in top-ranked peer-reviewed journals such as JAMA, Cell and Genes and Development. Basically, she's brilliant. And it's pretty awesome that she's coming on the show today to chat with us. We tried to really keep the conversation simple, like try saying epigenetics 10 times fast, right? So I really just wanted to get down to the basics so that if you've done DNA testing or you have questions about this and you're not really sure how it relates, you can glean some information from today's episode. So as always, if you have questions, concerns, comments for me, head on over to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact and ask me. You can catch up on previous podcast episodes and notes from today's show by going to ketodietpodcast.com and just look for episode 368 and you can also catch up on previous podcast episodes, those DNA episodes that I mentioned. That was episode 337, 319, 246. Okay, so If you want to delve deeper into DNA, you can literally just go to your podcast player and look for those specific episodes on the Keto Diet Podcast. I can't even believe every time I record one of these episodes, I'm just in awe of how God is using me to share this information. And it's just incredible that um, we have so many episodes. And I'm so glad that you're here. And it's just so wonderful. So let's get to today's interview. Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel and you're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've put together a free 21-page guide on achieving weight loss on your keto diet if nothing is working as a little thank you for being here today. Grab your free guide at KetoForWomen.com to get the steps you need to overcome the hurdles standing in your way. Hi, Dr. Aronica. How are
1: you? I'm really I'm doing well and thank you. I'm excited to be here today. Thank you, Leanne for this invitation.
0: Yes, of course, we have been planning this episode probably for like eight months, so I'm glad that we could make this happen. <laughs> um, so why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yes, my name is uh, Lucia Ronica. I'm a, a lecturer at Stanford University. Uh, where I do research and I teach classes about the science of nutritional epigenetics. That uh, This is a scary name, but uh, this is uh, actually a very friendly science. It's the science of how food uh, can be medicine. So how food as medicine works at the molecular level how our diet can impact uh, the function of our genes and with it our health and longevity. And um, I also teach um, classes on uh, um, ketogenic diets, intermittent fasting. And I'm actually planning to teach some of these classes live on my own teaching platform in uh, June 2022. So I will be sharing um, a sign up uh, to my newsletter so people can uh, uh, can sign up for uh, any to get notified when I launch the course. And I will also the course will also be available later as a, uh, an evergreen course at a lower price for those who, who missed the live course. So just stay tuned for that. And thank you, Leanne, for, for uh, helping me uh, spread the word. I am also, uh, in general, passionate about democratizing the science of healthy eating by, by making the complex easy, actionable and fun. And that's why uh, teaching uh, is uh, one of my greatest passion, because I think that science, uh, I understand that science can be very complicated, but can also be uh, broken down in uh, small bites that are accessible to everybody. And science can help people live a healthier, longer life. And I'm here for, to facilitate this, uh, this, uh, this translation process from the complex to the easy, to the actionable and fun.
0: Great. And so when it comes to nutritional epigenetics, does one need to have like a DNA test and understand what their genes are in order to kind of delve deep into this? Thanks for asking this question. This is one of the most frequent questions I get
1: from my students who sign up for my courses. The answer is no. I mean, my courses teach also about nutrigenetics, which is what you are asking about. So how our genes can modify the way we respond to food. I'm talking about food allergies, but also whether we uh, uh, can uh, absorb uh, some nutrients how much uh, of these nutrients we can absorb for example how much folate we can activate and use from the spinach we eat right this is also influenced by our genes this is nutrigenetics so is uh, the first part of the equation in the field of nutritional genomics. So is genes affect the way we respond to food. The flip side of that is nutritional epigenetics, which is how the food we eat can affect how our genes work in the cell. So it's the opposite, it's the flip side. So my course teaches both parts and basically tells you, okay, you have these genes and these genetic predispositions. This is your baseline. This is your start line in your journey to a healthier you. But then, really, the race, the path is the flip side, is the nutritional epigenetics, is the food choices you you make every day and can impact the way your genes work. And actually this makes 75% of the equation. So the flip side is more important. Most people now focus on the genetics and, uh, but actually that's the, the the opposite of what we should be doing. Like focusing on what matter most, because we can make sure We control our genes, not the way around, by focusing on the epigenetics, on the choices we make and that can impact how our genes work in a cell. After all, think about that. And we'll make a practical example. There are some genes that can predispose uh, people to have a higher chance to get uh, breast cancer cancer. I think uh, some uh, uh, women in your audience may be familiar with a with gene called BRCA1 and uh, because Angelina Jolie was a carrier of the risk variant of that gene and then decided to do like a, bra- a preventative breast surgery. To uh, because she, she knew she had a higher risk of developing breast cancer, right? So this is genetics. This means the, the sequence of the gene, the, the letters in the gene were uh, like uh, she was carrying a higher risk based on the sequence of the gene. Now, we uh, scientists in the field of epigenetics found out that the same gene, BRCA1, can also uh, be uh, not working, actually, in the cell because of an epigenetic modification, which means the genetic sequence is, is okay. If you take the test, they will tell you you don't have the risk variant. But then, actually, that theoretically working gene is shut down, it's it's turned off, it doesn't work at all in your cells because it has been turned off. So it doesn't work because of an epigenetic modification. So that's how powerful epigenetic is. Even if you have the best genetics, the best genes, and those genes don't work in the cell Just, it's, uh, you know, you're basically uh, (laughs) turning off your genetic potential. And nutritional epigenetics can do the opposite, can turn on your genetic potential, can make sure that the good genes you have are actually working for you and not against you. And uh, even the one that are risk variants, actually you can optimize that function so you can make the
0: best out of it keto flu, impossible fasting symptoms that stop you mid fast cravings at any hour of the day or feeling off after a sweaty workout. These are some of the signs that you're low in electrolytes. When I first started keto, I made all of the mistakes. One of the biggest ones was not supplementing with electrolytes. And still seven years into keto, I often forget how essential electrolytes are. Honestly, it's easy to forget to take electrolytes because well, a lot of them don't taste very good or work very well. Enter Element, the most delicious, well-balanced electrolyte powder I've personally tried like ever. Add to water and enjoy any time of day. These electrolytes are salty as they should be, quenching your thirst and hitting the spot. And the best part... When you head to drinklmnt.com slash kdp, you'll receive a free Element sample pack. You only pay $5 for shipping. The sample pack includes eight packets of Element. That includes two citrus, two raspberry, two orange, and two raw unflavored. Go to drinklmnt.com slash kdp forward slash KDP for your free sample pack. I love Element, and I really think you're going to too. Again, that's drinkelement.com forward slash KDP to get your free sample pack. And if you don't love it, they will refund your $5, no questions asked. That's amazing. Um, and such a great explanation of the difference. And I guess something that you touched on to maybe give more understanding to those that are new to this topic, you talked about folate and getting the folate from the spinach. What are some of the others you talked about the breast cancer risk? Like, why I guess to kind of wrap people's minds up in this properly is... Why is this important?
1: Yeah, this is important because people feel, uh, I think, especially now that we, uh, genetic testing is becoming more and more available. There is a lot of uh, misconception and misunderstanding uh, uh, about what this genetic information means for you. And, uh, uh, you know, first of all, uh, most of the genetic reports out there, most of them, if not all, all of them are a little bit simplistic. They don't really explain that, uh, uh that report is very limited. So people, for example, in my genetic report, the uh, uh, in 23 me report, according to the report, I am 80% likely to have straight hair. And Leanne, you are free to share my picture. I have, I have a, a, an Afro-like curly head that I'm very proud about. And all my sisters have those curls. So for sure, there is a, a strong genetic component for for my curly hair. And yet, 23 Me says I'm 80% likely to to have straight hair. So there is a a higher degree of uncertainty and uh, uh, imprecision in in those predictions. So that's not communicating well. And um, the second is that uh, these genetic reports can also have the opposite effect of, uh, so can have uh, a, you know, people can, on one, one hand, people might feel empowered to take action. This is called a placebo effect to say, okay, I need to eat more folate because I'm not absorbing that, so I will eat more spinach. But on the other, on the other hand, people can also feel uh, discouraged and say, okay, I have bad genes, so you know, I might as well enjoy life and do what I want. And this is called nocebo effect. It's the opposite. So why this is important? Why is it important to teach people about nutritional epigenetics? Because people can feel empowered and actually know that actually the, they can, with their lifestyle choices, Make sure they control your genes, not the way around. And uh, uh, you know, I think I, I think that, you know people don't realize very often that they really eighty percent of the equation is uh, in their favor. They just need to take ownership of their health. And this is tricky. Sometimes people, you know, that th- are are scared also to to know that they are responsible of their health, right? It's easier to think, ah, I have just good or bad genes. But you know, I want to make, I want to empower people to say, look, yes, you have the responsibility of your health, but this can be actually an amazing thing, and I want yeah i think that's that's why it's, it's, it's so important even in my family i have uh, i have family members who are genetically predisposed to have a, a variety of conditions from uh, diabetes to um, uh, uh, hypertension and uh, And uh, you know, sometimes they tell me, you know, my doctor told me it's it's genetic. You know, Lucia, there's no point for me to try a low carb diet. And then I I tell them, yeah, but those doctors don't know about epigenetics. Let's have a conversation about that. And I, you know, I want I want really, uh, yeah, just to bring help back in the hands of uh, patients and people who are proactive about yes their health and longevity.
0: So what I'm hearing you say is just because I have a DNA report that tells me perhaps I need more omegas doesn't necessarily mean that I actually need more omegas. Would that be? Yes. Okay.
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I I'm not saying that that's not useful at
1: all. I'm I am working also with nutrigenetics, and I'm leading uh, uh, several clinical trials looking, uh, etc., how these uh, um, uh, uh, these genetic variants can influence and change whether people uh, absorb uh, and and activate more omega-3s in their bodies or uh, other nutrients. So that's useful, but only in conjunction with other tests. For example, for the omega-3 genetic variants that you mentioned. So there are some genetic variants that can influence how much uh, omega trees we can use from plant-based sources. You know we know that uh, seeds like chia seeds uh, and flax seeds are very high in so-called omega trees. But these omega trees are precursors. So the plant-based omega trees are only inactive. Uh, let's say precursors to the end. Products, omega trees, which are EPA and DHA. These are omega trees that we find in, uh, in marine sources. So like, for example, fatty fish, salmon, uh, for example. And so the point is uh, some genetic variants can affect the way our body uses these plant-based omega-3s to produce the active ones. So it might be that you are eating a lot of chia seeds and flax seeds, thinking that you are actually producing the omega-3s your body needs, and because you don't have the, the enzymes the, the, um, that do this work, do this job functioning properly, you are actually uh, not, uh, not getting what you want. So for people who carry the genetic variants that make their omega-3 enzymes weak so that they cannot activate the plant-based omega-3s, those people might be uh like might want to to supplement with the dha and the uh, epa from fish oil or just uh, uh increase their consumption of fatty fish so that's where uh, the genetic, nutrigenetics and the nutritional epigenetics work together. So the genetic information can help people pinpoint potential risks. And the uh, uh, epigenetic uh, uh, information can help people take action on, on uh, those potential risks. I just want to emphasize that in this example we are talking uh, about uh, uh, you know a very uh, uh, let's say low hanging fruit uh, we uh, it's, it, it, it there is n- not so much risk associated with uh, taking a, a, a dha uh, supplement but there are other interventions that really uh, uh, require um, like a more in-depth Uh, uh, genetic analysis because genes work in concert, so looking at only a couple of genes doesn't really mean anything and a comprehensive uh, uh, functional uh, uh, biomarker testing that really makes sure that actually those genetic predisposition are really working uh uh, in, uh you know for for the, uh, the patient or against the patient in the body for example in the case of omega 3s some people may want to check their omega 3 levels in the blood before modifying their diet now in this case you know it's as i mentioned it's not like a big deal omega 3s are uh, almost universally considered as a good thing for you so you know if you increase your your consumption of fatty fish i think most doctors would be fine with that right it's not like something that requires a, a lot of uh, uh physician supervision uh, supervision but uh it just to say that having carrying those genetic variants uh, that predispose you to get less omega 3s from your plant-based ones doesn't actually mean that you really have in your blood low levels of, of omega 3s it depends on other genes you carry whether you are already eating fatty fish you know that's that that was what uh, what I am now emphasizing here genetic testing is only one component of a more comprehensive functional testing that any physician should be doing for their patients.
0: You're here because you want to get a handle on your health. And if you've been keto for any amount of time, you know that glucose management is the key to burning fat. If there's too much glucose partying out in your body, it makes it that much more challenging to burn fat and generate ketones. Wearing a continuous glucose monitor, aka CGM, is the key to unlocking what's going on in your body minute to minute. You'd be amazed at how many foods you thought would have no effect on your blood sugar Actually, do. I was blown away at how volatile my glucose was when I first applied to CGM in 2020. I thought my diet was perfect. By seeing your glucose mapped out moment by moment, you get to see how stress, activity, and food choices make a direct impact on your health and how you feel. CGM is the number one tool I use with my clients when they're needing motivation to clean up their diet. There's nothing quite like seeing in real time what the food you just ate is doing to your body. Daily, I make better choices because I'm wearing a CGM. I started using the NutriSense CGM program in February 2022, and I've been really impressed with how easy it is to use this app. You apply the CGM to your arm, I swear it doesn't hurt, and then connect it to the NutriSense app to show you way more than your glucose level. The app displays your peak, how high your glucose spiked after the meal, stability, how much of a jump your glucose took recovery, whether or not you recovered to your pre-meal glucose number, delta, the difference between your glucose before the meal and after the meal, and all of this data is summed up with a meal-by-meal and final daily score so you can track your progress day by day. I could go on and on and on and on about this app, but it's probably better if you just go to Nutrisense.io slash KDP and use the code KDP to get 30 $30 off any subscription plan to the CGM program. And your purchase comes with one month of free support from a registered dietitian. Step-by-step, they show you how to track your data, understand your glucose trends, log meals, see the macro breakdown, and so much more. That's Nutrisense.io slash KDP and use the code KDP for $30 off. And what if their physician is not doing this for their patients? Like at what point in our health are we concerned about this stuff or would we want to go toward this sort of work? And what if we feel it's necessary for us? Like should everyone be doing it? Should everyone's physician be doing it? And like what do they ask for?
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's a very, uh, that's a great question with, uh, you know, a difficult answer. So I think uh, that not everybody should be doing that. I think any, any, any health practitioner should first consider where the patient is uh, in his or her health journey at that point in time. Let's say, for example that you need to, your health uh, is already, you you have, you know, something to prioritize, like you have diabetes, you have metabolic disease. So, you know, the omega-3 test might be of second or third priority there, right? You have first to take care of reversing, you know, the metabolic issue. Right. And so that's where, unfortunately, uh, according to the statistics, one third of Americans, uh, for example, have metabolic issues. So right there, I can tell you probably this omega three and genetic testing is not relevant for at least one third of the population because they should first. You know, uh, focus on, uh, on, uh, on, you know, m- metabolic health first, which I think is, is more really about, uh, you know, the, the other side of the, co- of the coin. So the n- nutritional epigenetics or your food choices, your, your lifestyle actions. That's, you know, that's, uh, a big part of the equation. So, without going into complicated testing, those people should be focusing you know, on uh, glucose uh, um, uh, control testing. So, insulin resistance, uh, fasting glucose, insulin, HOMA uh, um, IR. So, and and then and then once you know they the, these metrics are on track, then they can focus on bringing. Their health on the next level and then look at micronutrient deficiency, micronutrient optimization. Again, I think the genetic parts. So I I look at health as uh, many, many, many students ask me what is the best diet. I think the 80% of the equation, we all, all agree on that, right? A healthy diet is made of whole, foods, nutrient dense, uh, whole food and whole food based, right? I think 80% agree on that. Then there is a 20% of the equation that we all disagree on, low carb, low fat, and then uh, is this food good for you? Milk good for you? Eggs good for you? Should I be eating these or that? But you know, again, I am, I, I'm convinced that if we would focus on the 80% of the equation that matter most, then we will all be healthier. And then we will be all motivated to go and look at the rest, the remaining of 20%, because we already know how great it feels to feel good. And then we want to bring our health to the next, next level. But if we don't focus first on what matter most, then we, we 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 don't you know we can we can talk about health optimization if we don't reach first a level of good health.
0: Yes, completely. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, if, if you know and you're listening and you know that your diet is not on point and you know, you know, you know, those certain things, I find that this work can be helpful. If you're just at a loss, you've hit a wall and you're like, I don't know. I, I feel like I've tried everything. It's still not working and there's something missing. Would you agree? Is that kind of what one should look for?
1: Yes, I really agree. On, you know, uh, on, how you summarize this. And I just want to add also, you know, as we age, then this 20% of the equation is becomes more important, especially if we're already healthy, you know, um, and this is because The 20% of the equation, so uh, food intolerances or uh, micronutrient deficiencies uh, can also contribute to uh, a low-grade inflammation, which is the root cause of many, many. Many problems we experience, especially as we age, because it's a chronic problem, right? So time works against us in that case. So that's where I think it's uh, we know that health is uh, is personal. Everybody is different, and so that's where where a, a physician or health practitioner should consider where that person is in. Uh, her or his health journey and for, for people at older age, w- who are already doing all the right things. I have students and people I'm consulting for, they are doing all the great things they have, like they're already in good health and still, and yet they suffer from some uh, food intolerances and uh, um, other, you know, low grade information associated problems. And that's where that additional testing uh, is, uh, is important.
0: I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. Yes, completely. Something that I've noticed in my practice using functional blood chemistry, which is looking for patterns in blood work, much of those patterns relate to nutrient deficiencies, um, specifically things like iron, B6, vitamin C. And when you adjust that and really figure out the route to those items, B12, another really, really big one, zinc, a lot of that comes back into balance. And it's so interesting. Like I knew nutrients mattered, but... They're really essential for ongoing health. I mean, for example, B6, if you don't have enough, the cysteine isn't going to be supported. Your homocysteine can do wacky things that can lead to inflammation. And so, yeah, there's all those precursors to those various things, which when lacking can result in inflammation. And I see that time and time again using blood chemistry. And I'm glad you touched on just the nutrient piece of things. A lot of the times, fixing those nutrients, diet, lifestyle, there's enough. But there's always those fringe clients who are like, okay, we need to do deeper work. And it sounds like when it comes to that and you've exhausted most options, it can be good to kind of get into this work um, to figure out, is there a missing part to the puzzle? And what are you working with? I guess you touched on it a little bit of just that feeling of how am I even supposed to get a handle on this? There's so much wrong. Like, I remember going through my genetic report uh, with somebody on the podcast, actually. And she's like, this is going to be kind of boring because everything looks really good. Um, But I know sometimes, whether it be in somebody's past, they've had a 23andMe done or something like that. And they hear people talking about genes and they're like, yeah, no, I have no control over this and this is all just busy work. Uh, what do you maybe have as a message for those people as it relates to this work? Yes. I, I
1: First of all, I understand and I understand there is a lot of confusion among health practitioners, physicians, clinicians, and patients patient, uh, around what, what we can actually do with this information it's also interesting but how can we make that actionable and so i think my first answer is uh, i the first thing is uh, just setting our expectations we expect from science like certainty like you know a, a prescription but that's 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 not the use of genetic and epigenetic information now in uh, in medicine Is more an indication. So first of all, if we, if we set our expectations, not to say, okay, give me a prescription. No, it's more like, okay, I'm taking this uh, test because I want to know my biology better, but biology is complex. Science is complex. So the expectation is not, okay, now I get a prescription. It's like, okay, this is a necessary step, necessary step because yes, this is complex stuff, but it's about me. And, you know, it's, uh, I, I want to know more and to get a more precise path, like treatment path, right? So first the expectation and then, I think what I am working for uh, clinicians and patients uh, in uh, in my work is trying to curate this genetic information in a way that I, you know, clinicians will get a sort of scoring system to say, okay, I get this genetic report and I can have the score of how, scientific what is the strength of science associated to that genetic prediction and there are official guidelines by the nutrition nutrigenetics society that can tell you how strong is the science based on whether that science comes from animal studies from small human studies, from big human studies, you know, that's the jungle of information out there on genetic reports. You know, you know, you hear about this gene, g- this gene that, you know, can, can affect your health in this way. But you don't, you don't know whether this is based on a, a, ma- a mouse study, my <laughs> study done in mice or a very small human study. You don't have any any way to assess the scientific information. So even clinicians don't have that. So what I'm trying to do in my work is come up with a system, a score that basically one day you will have the genetic report, the clinician will read it. So we'll say, and the, clinician, the genetic report will aggregate the information from all your genetics for, for example, for uh, uh, each pathway. Let's say there is the Glucose control pathway. So you will have all your genetic variants computed in sort of score, and I will tell you, you know, there is uh, the level of scientific evidence. There is uh, uh, five stars, or is four stars, or three, and uh, your the score of your patient is uh, seven out of ten, and then. For those who want to go deeper, then they can go and look at the single genes. You know what I mean? I think we are now just scratching the surface, but we need to give patients and practitioners a sort of compass, an instrument to navigate the sea of information about genetics and make sense out of this sea of information. Otherwise, you know, they are not landing, I think, for sure, you know, necessarily to um, a better uh, place in terms of health.
0: Yeah, completely. Because it can be very overwhelming and really discouraging. So I'm glad you're thinking of that and can provide some insight into that. And wow, this time goes by so quickly. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more of the course and things that you have going on, uh, where people can connect with you and uh, some parting wisdom, if you have it on on what you've shared today? yes so
1: I um, so I teach all uh, these courses on epigenetics and uh, um, uh, and genetics at Stanford I have been uh, teaching for five years uh, professional development certificate courses on uh, on this topic and uh, I am uh, uh, this year I decided to launch my uh, own course this is will be the first version of this course open to the public on my own teaching platform. I plan to launch the course in uh, um, June 2022, but this is a tentative date. But anyway, I will be announcing the course launch on my newsletter. So I invite people to subscribe and I'm happy uh, to share a promo code for the course for your listeners, listeners. This course will be a live course. And uh, um I will give a, a certification of attendance so that you know many of my students are now um, you know, using their uh, epigenetic nutrition certification for their health uh, practice. And uh, i I want to bring this to more people outside Stanford. This course will be also offered uh, as an evergreen course after the completion and for a, for a lower rate. So I will share all these updates on my newsletter. So I encourage your audience to just sign up if uh, anyone is interested and you can learn more about me on my YouTube channel. I, I, I publish many of my lectures at Stanford on my YouTube channel, and I have now a series of short clips, uh, going live and every week. I call those clips, Dr. Aronica's Healthy Bites. Uh, these are clips of uh, one to five minutes uh, from my lectures with the top experts in the field of uh, healthy uh, longevity and uh, healthy eating. And uh, uh, again, there, my goal is to bring, to, to break down the sciences in the small bites for people to democratize the science of healthy longevity, and living, because I believe that health should be accessible to everybody.
0: That's wonderful. And thank you so much for doing that work out in the world. That's just fantastic. I'll be sure to include all the links to your YouTube and program and and newsletter and those sorts of things in the show notes. Uh, So if you guys are curious about that, you can just go to ketodietpodcast.com and look for today's episode. And then, yeah check it out. Or if you're listening to it on a specific player, you should be able to click around and find the show notes directly on that page. Uh, Dr. Ar- Aronica, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your brilliance with us. <laughs> thank you very
1: much, Lianne, And thank you to, to your uh, uh, wonderful audience, hungry for new knowledge and uh, new health heights
0: wonderful. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Again, if you want to learn more about DNA, I've heard some really, really great feedback on episode 246. That was quite some time ago, but Angela Foster came on and shared some stuff on there that you guys really loved. And then episode 319 and 337. Also, you can connect with Dr. Aronica using the links in uh, the show notes today. And so I hope you will enjoy the rest of your week. And i I will be back here next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast, and I hope to see you there. Okay, bye!